Hi, welcome to the Spiritual Intelligence Podcast once again. My name is Daniel Martinez Stahl, and with me is Aurora, whose last name I am forgetting, and it's not listed on her <laughs> screen. I apologize, Aurora. Well, my Aurora. name is hi, Daniel. My name is Aurora Schelle, and De Angelis is my married name. So I'm still getting used to it myself. <laughs> there is no problem about it. Beautiful, beautiful. So. Aurora and I are uh, relatively new friends. We started speaking a couple weeks ago. There's a lot going on here, guys. Uh, I just want to kind of catch you up really briefly. I apologize for the radio silence for the last few weeks. I've been in the process of moving homes. I was living in my sister's basement with my mother. Uh, my sister kicked us out of our house, so we needed to find our own place. And uh, so my mother and I are now in our own apartment. And I'm dealing with all of the post-move chaos, which is always a lot of fun. And I have a road to my right, and there's cars with loud exhaust that drive by every once in a while. I have a furnace on the other side of my bedroom wall, which when it turns on creates a low hum. Hopefully I'll be able to edit these out, or at least the low hum will be able to edit out of the recording. Uh, but the, the cars driving by, not sure what I'll be able to do about that. So um, I was going to do this uh, recording in the closet, literally. There's a closet that's behind two doors over there. Um, and I'm pointing for people in the video. Uh, for the audio people, I'm sorry, uh, you can't really see what I'm pointing at. But I wanted to do this in the closet, but unfortunately my Wi-Fi isn't strong enough to get there and my ethernet cable doesn't seem to have uh, a live feed, which I will need to figure out at a later date. And then my battery died and Aurora has been patient uh, with me throughout this, this whole process. So without further ado, let me get started with this conversation for you guys uh, with Aurora. And I will talk to you a little bit about how we met after she introduces herself. So why don't you go ahead and just talk a little about yourself and then I'll take it from there. Uh, well, the first thing that came to mind is that um, we don't meet people by mistake and we always meet them at the right timing. Uh, so, well, before I um, say a bit more, what I mean by that is I am, so I'm Aurora, I'm 33 years old, and I have been uh, doing hypnotherapy and energy work for the last 10 years. And I, um, um, one thing that we learn when we do this is that we always attract a type of person in our lives. <laughs> And I am myself in transition, more spiritual than physically, even though also physically I moved eight months ago. So it's fairly new from France to here. So I am from Albania originally. I lived there till I was 21. And then I spent the last 12 years in Paris, France, doing my studies and working, where I also got trained um, as a hypnotherapist, but by Dolores Cannon, Michael Newton, so American school. <laughs> and uh, also French ones, but I practiced mostly uh, Dolores's and Michael's teachings rather than traditional hypnotherapy uh, for no, weight loss or to stop smoking or the, <laughs> what people usually think what hypnotherapy or hypnosis is like. Uh, and I just moved to Hawaii, uh, United States 
uh, Honolulu when I uh, last last August where I also got married. And so now I'm in this whole new life. I also quit my job as a computer science engineer and I'm doing now um, energy work full time. So that's another transition. And every, also every person that I work with is also transitioning <laughs> either new classes or new uh, career or new um, marriage or single life or like moving houses like every person we're always in constant transitions but it feels like right now I'm dealing with the bigger kind of transitions those that don't happen in everyday life or at least not at the same frequency so yeah that was uh, just quickly a few words about me <laughs> nice and so <sighs> Where do I want to begin? So how Aurora and I met, and I know that I've mentioned this to you, uh, you guys in previous episodes, and I've also mentioned it in my newsletter for those of you that are on the podcast newsletter. I am in the process of organizing a virtual summit that is uh, ideally going to launch May 5th, so 5-5. And I was introduced to Aurora as a potential speaker for that summit, uh, Channeling Spirit Virtual Summit. And so I reached out to her. We had a wonderful conversation um, and um, she agreed to be part of that little project. And I convinced her, uh, granted it didn't take very much to, of convincing, but I, I asked her, I invited her to be a speaker on my show uh, this um spiritual intelligence podcast, uh, as well as the uh, virtual summit. So for the next number of weeks, give or take, um, up until the launch of the virtual summit, I am going to be doing a lot of the interviews with the <clears throat> speakers of the summit itself. I'm also going to be doing a kind of a promotional period during April and I will talk to you all about this uh, later when the time comes. But that's how Aurora and I met uh, and a little bit of a, kind of a feeder or a, an appetizer of what's to come uh, in the near future, which is very exciting. I, I cannot tell you how excited I am. I've met such <laughs> amazing people, um, uh, yourself being one of them. Oh, thank so. you. Yeah, uh, so when I thank you for inviting me and thanks to the people that made our connection possible. Um, I, yeah, it's like when you're ready, things appear. <laughs> so, so it is like, yeah, I did not really see you in the closet. So when we were ready to record, it was also really funny because it stopped right in the beginning of the recording, <laughs> not, not even like halfway through and... <laughs> So it's because we are, I think, supposed to bring the light or part of it into the world. So how can you do that if you're, we're not fully visible to other people to hear what we have to say or to at least feel, you know, the, the energy? So I think things will work out just fine. The people that are supposed to hear this will, and hopefully it will help somebody. Yeah, hopefully. Fingers crossed. <laughs> so... I'm trying to think about where I would like this conversation to begin. And um, 
curious about Dolores Cannon and your training with her, because as I mentioned to you, I'm in the process of getting certified as a uh, past life, sorry, life between lives, Michael Newton Institute practitioner. Mm-hmm. And I know that Dolores Cannon was kind of his contemporary. Yeah. And you hear about her work a lot through the an acronym, which is I always forget HTTP. QHHT. QHHT. And yes, and it stands for qu- quantum healing hypnosis technique. Right. Quantum healing hypnosis technique. So can you talk to us a little bit about that? course uh so well i i just i want to talk to you a little bit before that and then how it transitions to me stumbling upon dolores's work um so in 2011 12 i it's funny how things happen because i was in an environment where it was the least spiritual thing <laughs> a place you think of like uh, a big company that did credit cards and then this person came to me, um, a colleague, and he was like, um, he almost sounded crazy. <laughs> I did not think he was, but he himself was very like, self-conscious about it. He was like, I want to tell you something, but I don't know how you'll take it. He said that I saw a big light coming from you and I really want to give you this book. <laughs> so after that point, um, I was really born and raised atheist. Um, with ties to Sufism religion, but not not really anything religious per se. And I always believed in past lives, but not really investigating it more. So the, this guy gave me this book that wasn't actually anything related to hypnosis or past lives. It was from Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, which is a very famous um, uh, physician that she deals with the five stages of grief, for example, she's the one that made it popular and she deals with or dealt with uh, people that were uh, passing. So usually mental patients and she recorded everything that they said during their passing. So a lot of them, even though they weren't technically under hypnosis, said a lot of things that uh, hypnotherapists later um, discovered or published in their books. Um, so I read her book. It kind of opened my eyes in very big time. <laughs> like I was completely, um, like, yeah, I knew all this, but now I feel that somebody, like, it's not just in my head. Um, but it wasn't quite enough for me because she told also about like, um, her previous past life experiences in a very simple way. But I always thought, like, what would happen between lives? (laughs) And uh, that, of course, she didn't know. She wasn't a hypnotherapist or uh, there was no way she could have investigated that. So I went into YouTube, like, just seeing past life um, regressions of other people or, like, people that remember their past lives. And then in the comments section, I, I see just simple comment that says, if you're interested in that, check out Michael Newton's books, Journey of Souls and Destiny of Souls. I Googled them and they were just free to read. They were in a, the first link was a PDF to the Destiny of Souls book. So I read that before I spent the entire weekend. I did not leave home and I read <laughs> both books. Like, And I was like, wow, that's what I want to do. 
Because also, as I mentioned before, I am an engineer, so I'm skeptic, um, or I was more than I am now. So it's cool to read a book, but I also wanted to do that for myself. Like I wanted to um, see if what, whatever, like if these books were edited, if whatever was written in them was true or just, you know, cherry picking cases that would fit the narrative or the scenario. Um, and so I wanted originally to do a Michael Newton's class, but uh, me at the time, so I was 22, I was living in Paris, I had not finished my school yet, <clears throat> and I was graduating as an uh, engineer. So it wasn't really at all the profile that was required to do uh, a training that was to have a few hours, like 200 hours, I think maybe things have changed now, as a practitioner to maybe a, a, a degree in psychology or something similar, and also to fly to San Francisco to do the class that was way too much money for me at the time. Like, basically, zero money <laughs> as a student. And so um, I was like, okay, well, I'll read as much as I can, and then when time comes, I'll go and do that. And meanwhile, Dolores Escalon trainings comes along, which required none of those things, <laughs> which could have been done online, which it was an price that was very affordable for me because at the time uh, the euro was much stronger than dollar. So it was basically half price with a conversion and that I could do in parallel of me going to, um, to work. So I studied like every night uh, for until 3 a.m., like to take the exams and to, but that was like completely passion because I just wanted to use this as a tool for myself and for my family and friends. I never really thought I would do it a career. It was more like really for my own interest to verify that whatever I read in the book was true. Like if I took a random person and hypnotized them, would they be saying the same things that I read in the books? That was my only question. Like, I wanted single-handedly to prove <laughs> that to myself. And it was, that led to many other trainings later and also to uh, just clients popping out of nowhere, like people that, I, so I started talking to people and say at work uh, saying, oh, I'm doing this really cool training. And they would be like, oh, can I be your guinea pig? That is so interesting. And I had like so many people that wanted to be hypnotized by me. Whereas I knew people um, that had taken the train and that never went any further than that. Like they tried to hypnotize their family members, didn't work out and just left it at that. So um, I felt like a nudge to keep going, to press forward. And then I met personally um, a few years later, other people that were trained with Dolores that actually met her in person. Unfortunately, I wasn't one of them because she passed away a few years after I did the training and it was an online one. I couldn't do the level two with her. But uh, from talking to them, it is like her energy was uh, in the videos. It wasn't, um, yeah, it was like very strong presence, very um, strong um yeah, it's a very in interesting teacher. Well, a lot of like this uh, mother-grandmother energy, a bit different from Michael Newton's that was more um, like historian, academic point of view. But I did uh, read her book. Uh, I think it's on death and dying. Uh, or nah, I think I'm misquoting the title of Dolores Cannon's book. But what she writes in there 
it's the same that Michael Newton does. So you're right, what you said, that the work, their studies were kind of in parallel. Um, they did not know each other while they were doing it because they both started, I think, in the 70s. Uh, and their works were published in the 90s. So they had 20 years of doing these cases and like keeping them a bit under the rug or hidden before they went out and published them. And both uh, from both people, the account is the same. So the life between lives is the same. Also, I, from the people that I regressed, I could confirm like a similar uh pattern or things that I read in the book, not from everyone, of course, every person is different. Not everyone needs to go there or will go there, but uh, the ones that do, it is quite, quite similar. Quite and similar, it's pretty, yeah. 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 So Dolores' canon book that I think you're referring to is Between Death and Life. That's the one, yeah. Yeah, I've started reading that just recently. So it's in my, it's in my, my library. Um, the difference between Michael Newton's and Dolores' book is that Dolores just, um, she does not uh, edit anything or it's just conversations between her and the, the person. So take it and leave it. <laughs> but also it's like one or five people's account, not like 7,000. So it's like, it's, it's a bit different, but it's uh, just as interesting, I think. Yeah. So for those of you that aren't really too familiar with what we're talking about, let me kind of back up a little bit. I'll do this by kind of talking about my own story. And Aurora did kind of mention this as well. So I'm going to repeat a little bit about what she said. But I've been fascinated by past lives my entire life. I've grown up believing that they were real. It's not my place to say whether or not they're true or real or not. And I'll, I'll be the first person to say that. It is something that I believe in. It makes sense to me. I've had a lot of uh, personal experiences that indicate the validity of it. Um, I cannot um, do hard facts. Like I have not had an experience of remembering a name and a date uh, back in 1780 on uh, in Ohio or something, and then gone into the town records to verify the name and the date and the death and all of that. I have not done any of that, though. I've read books where people have done that. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm kind of digressing a little bit. The interest that I've had with past lives, interestingly enough, it never occurred to me to think what Aurora did, which was what happens in between lives. So it never occurred to me. And my brother for Christmas one year gave me Michael Newton's book, Journey of Souls. And in Michael Newton's book, and I've mentioned his book in other episodes as well, it's an incredible book if you want to kind of touch into this whole spiritual space and want to get a deeper understanding of where you come from. And it is a generalized description. It is not specific. Every person that I have regressed into a life between lives experience has minor changes. And the reason that the way that I describe this is that spirit will present information to us based on our own beliefs, and what we are ready to understand and what we're ready to hear individually. So yes, it's possible that what my spiritual team and my higher self presents to me in my own journey will vary a little bit from what Aurora does. But generally speaking, there's a lot of similarities between uh, journeys and experiences. There's a lot of parallels that can be uh, 
can be identified even within very unique experiences. Mm -hmm. um, and so Dolores Cannon, um, her approach plays a lot with uh, healing the soul and healing the body. There's a lot of emphasis on that within the, the work. I don't call the work that I do hypnosis. I've talked about this a little bit as well in other episodes. I, the reason that I don't call what I do hypnosis is because there's a lot, there's a misunderstanding in society of what hypnosis is. And so I stay away from that a little bit. And people also have the idea that hypnotherapy is, as Aurora mentioned, oh, let me stop doing my smoking or let me uh, lose weight or, you know, I want to, um, you know, improve my ability with X, Y, Z. And so they're doing hypnotherapy around that. And the work that we do of exploring what I refer to as spiritual regression or spiritual journeys utilizes um, quote unquote hypnosis techniques, but not the hypnosis techniques that people would assume. Mm -hmm. The techniques that we use for this work is the relaxation techniques. Yeah. It's not the suggestions that are commonly used in hypnotherapy so i am i'm i do everything in my power to not provide suggestions uh for the client i will make recommendations i will invite them to relax i will invite them to consider certain things at the very end of my session i do have a couple little uh suggestions that i've added in to help them integrate um, after the session. But for the most part, what I do can be more easily described as a guided meditation. That's exactly also how I explain hypnosis to people, uh, for, especially for those that are more wary of it, that already have a preconception about what hypnosis is or how you lose control and a person like possesses you and then like makes them makes you like, sound like a chicken which i that happens but that's called stage hypnosis like i've been to one of those shows <laughs> and it's not it's not what we do uh it's like what we do is to relax because hypnosis is a natural state we naturally go into hypnosis when at least deep hypnosis at least twice a day when we go to sleep and when we wake up it's that phase when you don't know if you're still dreaming or if you're awake. Uh, that is the natural progression into hypnosis. Uh, so it's just being very deeply relaxed or what corresponds to brain waves is a theta wave. I can talk a bit more about it later um, if, um, if people will be interested in that. But um, so it is a natural state. We don't, it's nothing that you don't already, you don't already do by yourself. Like when you're reading a book or when you're watching a movie and you don't know when time passes, like every time alteration or when you're in the zone, it's like, well, where was my mind? What happened? That is also hypnosis. There are various stages to relaxation and one to hypnosis is, and our goal to experience you know, the past lives or more distant memories when we were children is to go into a deeper state of hypnosis, the one that we naturally again go to when we go to sleep. 
but it's nothing unnatural, but it's just your body does it. We just guide people to go there, but there are no suggestions. Um, that's person. That's why when people tell me, oh, can I stop smoking? I, it's very, I had a very interesting case actually um, where I told them, it's not that I told them no, I said, okay, right, but we will do it according to my own terms, which is we will ask you what you really want, like your inner self. I won't program your mind to stop, to like hate smoking or to tell you that smoking is bad for you. Cause I don't know. I like literally don't know. It can change from person to another. And so when I ask this person, like, would you like to stop smoking uh, under hypnosis? Because everybody <laughs> says yes, if they're like conscious and alert. Um, they said no. They said that this person in this point of time needed smoking because she was without friends. So actually smoking helped her relax. Um, so if I would suggest her to stop smoking immediately, uh, she might it might make her even more psychological damage that smoking itself would make for her lungs, for example. And to me, that kind of that opened my eyes. It's like I'm not. I'm really no one to tell you what's best for you. You only, you know, what is best for you. So my goal is to make you go there. So you can hear by your own self, what you think it is best for you. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And, and I, I'm, I'm very much in line with that. The, um, the thing that I wanted to mention kind of piggy, piggybacking on something you said, And I lost it. So that's okay. <laughs> no, no, it, it, it happens. Um, so let's talk a little bit about spirit. Mm -hmm. What's your own journey with spirit? <laughs> What's my have own journey with spirit? Have you talked about this in previous podcasts? <laughs> so I'm fairly transparent about my uh, progress with the listeners of this podcast. So I have spoken about the fact that I'm learning how to channel. I am, uh, I do, I have spoken about the spiritual journeys that I help facilitate. God, this is still, it's still kind of nagging at me. There's something about hypnosis. Anyway, it, it'll come to me if it, if it's important. Um, What's interesting with spirit is I am, and I think I might have mentioned this, but I am very intellectual, very logical, very analytical, very much in my head. And a lot of the spiritual work that we do, the invitation is for us to go into our heart, for us to go into our body to connect with that aspect of our selves, as opposed to being up in the head, mm -hmm. being up in the head, the, that's what I wanted to talk about. And this leads into it. Um, the misperception about being up in the head is that it prevents you from going where you need to go. And though there is some truth in that is not as black and white as people make it out to be. And this is something that I'm learning. Um, during one of my own Life Between Lives sessions, my spirit team was talking to me about how 
I chose this body because of its propensity for an intellectual understanding of things. Mm-hmm. And the reason that, and part of the reason that I needed to develop and deepen the intellectual side of managing and relating with life and kind of, um, I wouldn't say dismissing, but kind of shutting down a little bit the emotional side of life um, was so that I could deepen this analytical aspect. Now I'm in a process, and I have been probably for the last year or so, of opening myself up more to the emotional connection to myself, to my being, to my experience of life. But I'm doing it through an analytical intellectual process. Mm-hmm. And part of what I am supposed to do, and I put that in quotes, supposed to do, is help people understand that the intellect isn't the enemy. Yes. <laughs> and a lot of people in our work, in our field, will constantly, and I'm not saying everybody does, but I know a lot of people do, will constantly talk about conscious interference being a problem. Yeah, or how ego is bad or... Or ego is bad. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) I've I've heard that recently. I was like, no. (laughs) Yeah. And so there's... um, So part of what I am interested in doing is helping to normalize this whole spiritual journey process. And part of normalizing it is recognizing that we have an analytical aspect of our being and we have an emotional aspect of our being and one doesn't need to be better or stronger than the other. They can both work together. They can both collaborate together. And a lot of the spiritual journey will like I say, innocently will downplay the ego, the human experience, the intellect, the analysis, the quote-unquote conscious interference, Mm -hmm. which is a term that I hear a lot in Michael Newton's uh, team. Um, Well, um, I can... Uh, I can tell you, at least for certainty, <laughs> on my case, but I've heard it from other um, hypnotherapists as well, that in the last three years, so um, Dolores would talk and Michael would talk the same thing, that there are like three types of clients. Um, when you, uh, when somebody goes into hypnosis, like 10 or 20% of them won't remember anything uh, another 10% will uh, only be in their heads. So it will be like harder for them to get relaxed and to, to go into deep hypnosis stages. But like 70% would be half and half, like half awake, like still like taking a backside, uh, basically remembering what they said, but also not interfering or maybe interfering a little bit. Uh, but that was before. Uh, now, in the last couple of years, almost everybody remembers their sessions. And from what I've heard from other people as well, that is done on purpose because um, it is important for people to 
do the kind of thing that you're saying, like to realize that we are in a human body, that our human bodies and our minds and consciousness is not the enemy, is there to understand who we are. And then these sessions or the hypnosis or the deep relaxations or other tools that help you improve is to make you more in touch with yourself, not to separate you from yourself, to separate you from your mind so that you only heart like here your or your heart or another part of your body that i've had people that think that way and i can tell you they were one of the most the most difficult people to work with because they rejected a big part of their selves like if you reject your ego who you are the way you think it's you're rejecting yourself basically you it's like we need all our body parts to work like to be alive <laughs> if you only have your heart or your brain you're still not alive right um and the the last hypnosis session that i had obviously always also not by chance because it speaks exactly of this the person had her body completely disconnected from her soul she imagined it as a sarcophagus you know like in ancient egypt but without the soul the soul would be outside of her body um and what happened in that case is that other souls were using her body as a trampoline to other realms uh so random souls maybe ghosts like maybe people that had not crossed over yet would see oh there's a free body right there it's functioning but there's nobody inside so they would go in and then they would go out, making her feel huge mood swings, like depression from one day to another without even realizing why. Um, one day she would be happy and then like a dark cloud would come back or she would uh, be uh, finding herself saying things that she normally wouldn't. Until we did this session and I asked her, what is uh, the best thing for you or something? Um regarding mind, mind and body and she was like oh uh, do you think was the best for your body or was the best for the mind and because she said there are two separate things in her and that's what made me say whoa what is happening there like can we reunite them and she was like yes we can but she uh, consciously decided to separate herself at some point in life and then um so the body was still there but because it wasn't reconnecting to her soul other souls were like using them as they please <laughs> and then we did that so it hasn't happened since and she feels much much better like it was an immediate thing but uh it was also to show us that the body and the soul are both so much are both important like when we take care of our body we take care of our mind we take care of our soul and i mean the religious has always talked about the holy trinity or something but it's like it's it's they are both equally important um you cannot neglect one part of that and see like oh i'm like like i'm a yogi or i'm so an enlightened being because i only take care of my soul but you completely disregard your body your the other people are your minds your intellectual development um yeah i don't i don't think that's the right way either i think it's more about understanding ourselves and the way we understand ourselves is that we have brain to consciously decode all this infinite information that can be tapped into when we can you know channel or bring in whatever aspect of our lives that we need to at the moment that we are
There's something that I want to focus on from what you spoke about. And the reason that I want to talk about this is because there's a lot of people that are afraid or concerned of dark energies or dark spirits or possessions or attachments or things like that. And so I want to talk to you about kind of my position and my point of view on this. Um, and I would love to get your thoughts as well. Mm-hmm. So when people start getting, um, when I started exploring the whole spiritual side of, of my experience, one of the things that friends of mine and family members of mine were concerned about were that I was going to open myself up to dark spirits and dark entities, and that I was going to expose myself to evil spirits and open myself up to being possessed and things like that. And so there's a couple of things that I want to talk about from that point of view. Um, Where do I begin? God, there's so much to talk about with this. I can begin by saying you just one thing, but no, uh, you go first and then I'll tell you the first thing that popped into my mind. <laughs> yeah. Will you remember? I will remember, yes. Yeah. Okay. So let me begin by saying that I don't believe in possessions. I don't believe in dark spirits. I don't believe in, in dark or evil entities. I just, I, I don't. I recognize that people believe that they're there. And I recognize that people have experiences with these entities and these sources. And the way that spirit has described it to me through the different people that I listen to is that and this is Sarah Landon, and I've mentioned her before, Sarah Landon and the council. The council talks beautifully about this in, in a number of different sessions that I've heard them speak about. And they speak about the fact that we are the creators of our own creation. And we are so powerful in our, be- in our ability to create our reality that if I believe that there are possessions and evil spirits, I will create them and I will manifest them in my experience. So when I talk about the fact that I don't believe that they're real, I don't believe that they're real, not because other people don't experience them, but because I don't believe that they're real in my reality. Mm -hmm. My reality is focused around light. My reality is focused around recognizing different levels of awareness and different levels of consciousness and looking towards a broader perspective, a wider level of awareness that makes it easier for me to experience the beauty of life as opposed to the drama of life. Mm-hmm. And so this all kind of ties back into this whole idea of possessions and dark entities and things. And let me reiterate, if you want to believe that the real chances are that you will find experiences that will will show you their their validity. So I'm not saying that they don't exist. They just don't exist in in my reality. Yeah. Um, Now, the other thing that I want to mention, which is also equally important, is 
And there's two things that are kind of connected. Marilyn Aluria, who's going to be another speaker for the virtual summit, in one of the first things I heard her talk about was saying that dark entities are used by the light to help us find our own power. So dark entities are, let me repeat this, being utilized by the light so that we can find our own power. We can connect with who we truly are. We can become empowered within our own energy, our own spiritual understanding, our own energetic body, so that these quote-unquote dark entities have no power around us. And so they're utilized as a tool to basically challenge us and to force us into connecting with a deeper truth of who we are so that we can, quote unquote, protect ourselves from them. And so I thought that was really an interesting perspective and an interesting point of view. And then the third thing that I want to mention, which is related to this, came from Jamie Butler, who was channeling Maitland at the time. And Maitland was talking about how these quote-unquote possessions, more often than not, this is something that your soul has chosen for some reason. It's part of your agreement. It's part of your contract. It's part of the experience that you spoke about ahead of time. And it might even be an agreement with the soul that is quote-unquote possessing you for their experience. And so these are all It's not for us to say that these are good or bad or that they should be removed or that they should be taken away. It's like exactly to your point is going in deeper and asking the questions of the higher self and saying, hey, is this in alignment with what it is that you're looking for? Is this in alignment with what you want? And if it's not, then let's do something about it. But if it is, what are you getting out of it? And and so that we can have an understanding of it going forward. And so those are the things that I kind of wanted to talk about with regards to this whole idea of, of dark entities and possessions. Perfect. Because <laughs> uh, that's... So the first thing that you said is also the first thing that I was going to say. <laughs> it's, it's not so much as the belief uh, in it, is that nothing, like absolutely nothing in our bodies happened without our consent at least thing in a um, spiritual point of view. So if there is a dark entity in you, like if you've been possessed, which of course might have happened, uh, it is, and it's absolutely not my role to question that, is to understand why it's there, if, it's, if it is there. Uh, it is because you've allowed it, at least at some, in some point in your energy. Like it can be subconscious. You'd be like, there is no way that I would allow that to take possession. Oh yeah, there's a lot of ways. And therefore very different, might be for different reasons as well. So um, uh, before, um, like I want to um, maybe talk a bit more and how it's possible that we allow these things. Um, And I want to, talk to that by the different by mentioning the different time uh, the different layers of the subconscious mind so um studies have shown that uh we um like 90 percent of 95 percent some say of our decisions are subconscious 
So basically we have, um, so if we're going to like choose what to eat, we're not like consciously going to choose every single time, for example, like a simple, a basic choice. It's like our subconscious will direct us to what are we going to do most of our lives. Um, but the thing that we don't talk about enough is uh, that there may be different layers of subconscious. Like some of them, some of the beliefs are created by uh, ourselves in this lifetime, like our experiences that we had as children. Uh, because as children up to the age of eight years old, we're always in this theta state. So the brain is just absorbs all the information around us. So whatever happens to us does have a huge impact earlier in life rather than later experiences, but also um, a lot of beliefs come from parents and grandparents. A lot of beliefs come from the, sub, uh, the collective consciousness and uh, past lives. And then there's also the soul memories. So some beliefs come also from our soul. That being said, uh, from my cases of possessions, or what you call possessions, I never call them possessions because I also don't believe that you can be possessed, but I believe that you can have like foreign or darker energy in yourself, in your aura, in um, your even your body, as I was mentioning before, like you can have other souls kind of possessing you. But it's not really, it's more like leaving your house open and without the keys and like a homeless person walks in, but there's nobody there because you're not there and like you did not close the house. So it's basically open for everyone that does not have a house. Kind of that's the, uh, the possession I'm talking about. Um, most of those cases are actually from yourself or from say your grandmother, like people that you know, and they're not even like they can be darker than you, but they're not like evil and want to kill you, like kind of dark. It's more like, I don't know where the light is. Like I died a hundred years ago and I'm so attached to this house. Like, can you show me the light? Oh, I see a light coming from your body. Can I go inside you? <laughs> and can you show me the light? So you allow it because for example, you think it's your grandmother or you think there is no harm in that. Uh, like you allow it subconsciously. This conversation is not happening in your conscious mind. So it's, uh, you know, it's easy to say yes if you're not conscious about it. And yes, I also agree that there, when we don't feel well, um, let's say when we are depressed or when we are, when we go to a sadness period or for longer periods of time, if we surround ourselves with people that are also feeling us down, we are more prone because our energy will match lower frequencies. So we are more prone to attract similar energies in order to help ourselves by helping them and vice versa. Um, I think what was your second point? So the first one is that you don't believe. And yeah, that's uh, what I mentioned that, oh yeah, you do create your own reality and it is mostly through your subconscious mind. So if you don't believe it, it, won't happen but yeah people will say well what about i mean i don't believe it and then it happened like what's the deal with that so it might be for your uh soul evolution as well or something like on a previous agreement before coming here and we find it mostly into uh, sick children or like a challenging that we haven't um thought about because yeah i know about jamie butler that she uh she was the medium a channeler for uh, eliza uh Metis. i don't know how your family name pronounced and her challenging her son and yeah in those cases i think that it is exactly like we go through that because of our previous 
things that we uh, agree to in order to evolve more into this life or to bring something forward or to experience this life in a certain way. So I am not one to judge why, if they happened, who them happened, why they happened. It is not a judge of your character either. Like, oh, it only happens to weak people or to evil people, or my energy is not high enough. Like, it's a lot of judgments that I hear from people. But my uh, my take on it is mostly like, let's understand what they gotta say because if let's say an energy or a ghost is there, is they always they're very talkative. <laughs> They always have something to say. Otherwise, they wouldn't be there. Like they want somebody to help them cross over or answer a question or see that there is better out there. Or I don't know, something. But yeah, just talk and see what happens. <laughs> Basically what we're doing. Like there is it's most likely a misunderstanding and comprehension <laughs> or they get attached to the biggest light they see, they saw and they welcome them in. <laughs> and then they don't know how to get away from that. But sometimes they're just as confused as we are as a person is and sometimes it's also themselves hunting from hunting i'm using the word hunting but it's more like uh, a past life of yours that came back to this life so that you can help them cross over and i've had that three times oh a fourth time is us as hypnotherapists sometimes uh, if we don't pay attention or we're like too eager to help uh we would we would do it for our clients. Like if they have an entity, we put it on us so that then we can help them channel them. But I mean, I don't do that, but I had a client that uh, had a bunch of sessions. She didn't pay attention and she had like this entity attached to her from one of her clients. Um, I always say to check your beliefs regarding to that. Uh, and the beliefs might be the helicopter. <laughs> And that is on point with what I'm about to say, because the belief might be that I am, I know how to do this better. Like I am better than you, like you couldn't cross it, but I can. So it might be like a, a hidden, like above you, like a helicopter. I'm monitoring everything that's going in here. <laughs> and um, in my practice, what I want to, like my main focus is to make everybody realize their potential and how to like, take free reigns, like full possession, since we're going to use the word of your own self uh, in all areas of your life. And I can guide you, but I won't do the work for you or for, like, I can only do the work for myself. And there's a big part of, um, it sounds like you and I have very similar approaches. A big part of what I want to do is I want to help people empower themselves. Yeah. That's a big part of the the, the work that I do. The, the other day I was having a conversation with friends of mine that are uh, getting certified with Michael Newton along with me, and they don't like the term facilitator. They prefer hyp hypnotherapist because it's, it implies training, it implies a process, it implies uh, experience, it implies a bunch of things that they feel facilitator doesn't. And I tend to prefer the term facilitator, like mm -hmm. I said, for reasons that I mentioned earlier, because I don't want to associate with hypnosis. I don't want to associate with hypnotherapy. I talk about how spiritual journeys are transformative and they're incredibly powerful and they're healing, but it doesn't happen as a result of a suggestion that I embed into your unconscious or that you want me to embed into your unconscious. The, the, the work happens because of 
your personal experience connecting with who you are as a soul, connecting, remembering what it means to be immortal, remembering what it means to be energy, mm. and feeling that through a firsthand experience changes your physical experience of life. It, it, yeah. it, it adapts to, it adjusts how you perceive and relate to your human experience. And in addition to that, it's an energetic experience where allowing yourself to go into deep states of relaxation and connecting with your spiritual self makes it possible for your higher self and your spiritual team to feed you information that you innocently resist when you're more caught up in the human drama. Yeah. Yeah. And that those downloads, as people talk about, happen quite often, at least through, in, my, in my examples with the people that I've worked with, happen, happen quite often when we are in these deep states of relaxation and we are connecting with our higher self and our spiritual team. It gives them an opportunity to teach us not only through words, but also to teach us uh, energetically. And so there's a lot of things that happen through that. But most importantly, it's you are the one that is creating the experience. You are the one that is having the experience. You are the one that is interpreting the experience. Yeah. You're the actor, director, screen player, everything you want in your yeah, life. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> like exactly. Everything. My role is just to help you get there. My role is to help you get the most out of the experience by asking questions to help you dig deeper into the experience as an observer. Yeah. Something happened that didn't make sense. Let's let's probe on that a little bit more. Let's go there. Let's explore that. And I want to understand how this relates to your current life. How is this influencing you today? Why is this important for you to remember? I want yeah. those connections to be made. So I will ask questions around that, both of yourself and your, your team. So there's, that's the reason that I, I like using the term facilitator because I'm facilitating the process. Yeah. I am assisting you to connect with your higher self and your team. I am um, creating a space where it makes that easier to take place. And so... Yeah. You put yourself in the same level as the person in front of you. So they feel more at ease. Oh, very um, much so. Yeah. Every every time that I start talking about hypnosis, the first thing that I do is like deconstruct what hypnosis means for most people. Like, let me tell you what you think you know, and let me tell you what it is. Because <laughs> I do use the term hypnosis, but I've what I've noticed is that people are more open if they don't know that. So it's like, it's a new concept. They're more open to understanding what there is rather than, oh, there is this old concept that you know, but let me tell you how you know it wrong. <laughs> and let me rephrase it for you. It's actually just guided meditation. Everybody does it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like using the term trance states. So trans states, huh? when we go into deep states of relaxation, we go into a trance state and we go into trance states all the time. And you mm. gave the same examples that I give when you're reading a book and you start flipping the pages and you don't realize you're flipping pages. Yeah. You're in a trance state. Yeah. You're in an altered state of awareness. Exactly. That is what it is, an altered state of awareness. Yeah. 
And we go into them all the time, all day long. You're watching TV, you're watching a movie, you're reading a book, you're cooking, you're, you're focusing driving. on work, you're driving, <laughs> you're in a conversation with somebody and you yeah. start picturing what they're saying and you start going into a story of, of what they're sharing with you. That's a trend state. Every time you say, oh, where did the time go? <laughs> yeah, exactly, well. exactly. And so it's a very normal process. Um, now, one thing that I did want to mention earlier on, and I, I kind of, the timing wasn't quite right, given that we're kind of back on the subject of hypnosis, mm -hmm. another misperception that I believe is very common in our field is that people need to be in deep states of relaxation for this to work. And I do not believe that's true. No, right. I've... Uh, recently, I've had even hypnosis surgery with my eyes open while having a conversation. And I've had all this, the sickness. I, I had it on me. I was walking with a friend in the streets of London. And I was like, I've been here before. And she was just trained as a past life regressionist. So I told her, I need you to ask me questions. I, I will tell you the story. And the moment that I block uh, I don't say anything anymore because I could feel that I was in hypnosis. I just want you to ask me a simple question, like even if it's what's, what happens next. <laughs> and then I, we were sitting on the stairs of the dome and I was telling her how I could see how I was there in the 1600s when, before the big fire of London. I, didn't, I had no idea that there was a big fire in London in those years, but apparently there was and it destroyed like half of London. And I was telling her the whole story and then I was crying. And then she asked me, like, she regressed me right there <laughs> while my eyes were open, while we were walking and talking. She was like, what happened when you were eight? Like in that lifetime. And I was telling how I was a little boy and blah, blah, blah. And, <laughs> and more and more people do that. Even, <laughs> even when I start talking about hypnosis, they're like, oh, you're hypnotizing me. Yeah, because my voice goes there. <laughs> but you're, I'm not hypnotizing you you are allowing yourself to be hypnotized it's always on you people cannot do anything if you don't agree to that free will number one lesson in everything <laughs> in my in my opinion it's like you're allowing it and maybe you're allowing it because you need it because you're, you you know that it's safe because you know you can relax when i'm saying something because if you're accepting it it's because you it's okay for you to do so like i will never purposely introduce anyone to anything because <laughs> even something that might work for me might not work for you like only you know what's best for you i agree i agree and one of the things that i'm learning more and more is and you mentioned this in your own work it's not my place to judge yeah. it's not my place to say something is right or wrong and it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter what people have done or what issues they're, mm. they're facing or what problems they think exist. It's, it's not my place to judge whether it's right or wrong. And belief system is, an, is gosh, that's an area that I have struggled with. And I've mentioned this in, in my podcast as well. You know, struggling with my beliefs in terms of I believe something is the right way to do it. And it might be the right way to do it for me, but it, yeah. it just doesn't resonate with other people. We all have beliefs. This is unavoidable and it's rightfully so because we need them to function in our lives. Our brain needs to believe in things. 
our goal is to make you think if what you're believing now is helping you or not. That's as simple as that. And if it's not helping you anymore, because it did help you in the past, since it's there, because your subconscious is always there to help you, uh, then what do we change it with? Like, what is the new belief that will improve your life? It's very simple. Like the reasons are, you can come with the same belief and the reason that it was created is like <laughs> as different as there are people, <laughs> even more so. And you can have contradictory beliefs, like one that comes from your grandmother and one that comes from yourself in this life or like, and they like, like battle <laughs> all the time, which one will will. Yeah, we can have contradictory beliefs and that might work fine for some people, might not work for others. And that's, that's great. Like that's, yeah, there is no place to judge. Like it's, it is what it is. <laughs> that's my new mantra. It is what it is. But the question to ask is like, yeah, are you happy? Do you want to, and if not, in which area of your life do you want improvement? And why you're not making it for yourself? And let's go and dig in and see like what holds this belief system in place. Why was it put there in the first place? Why is it stopping you from reaching what you want? Maybe like some people want to be millionaires or like super, super rich. And then when you tell them to imagine that, what does it feel like for you? Um, there are so many, a lot of fears that come up like with visibility. Oh, if I'm, I want to be visible, uh, but if I'm visible, they're going to come and kill me because I had this uh, winch hunt past life. Like when for my visibility, I was killed. And so you're, it goes down in your memory cells. And then uh, you still believe that visibility is the one who's going to harm you or as an example, or like being a millionaire will put you at risk and it's better to be safe than to make your dream come true. It could be, so many beliefs, you know, <laughs> and yeah, our goal is just for you to be relaxed enough so that you can go and see what holds them in place. Where were they created? Why? And how are they helping you now? Because they are, even though you believe that they're working against you. You bring up a very interesting point, which leads me to answer your question that you asked me earlier a little bit more my spiritual journey and my connection with spirit where what does that mean and and kind of <clears throat> where am i with that mm -hmm. i am a big fan of anything that points me in the direction of the fact that i already know everything i need anything that points me in the direction of recognizing that all of the information that I am looking for, all of the problems that I'm looking to resolve, all of the answers that I am seeking about myself, about life, about whatever, can be found within myself. And let me talk about that a little bit really hard for me to recognize but the direction that i'm really attracted towards is a direction that i'm hearing from sarah landon and the council i'm hearing it from renee and anthony who are also going to be speakers on my pot on my virtual summit uh they're they've been channeling uh mary magdalene and yeshua 
who is which is another name for Jesus. Mm -hmm. They've been channeling those energies quite a lot recently. Um, and the message that comes through Let me put it this way. I was talking with a friend of mine in my membership community, the spiritual podcast community. Sorry, the spiritual intelligence uh, community. Um, I was having a conversation with him and I was sharing with him that the only limitation we have and this is physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, the only limitation we have is whatever we believe. Our beliefs create yeah. the only limitation. And let me speak to that a little bit more and a little bit differently. Yeshua, Mary Magdalene, the council through Sarah Landon, um, will repeatedly talk about how we are divine energy. We are God. We are source energy. Yeah. And if I am source energy, there is nothing that I can't do. Yeah, I believe that too. I was using the example with my friend that Abraham Hicks, who's another channeler that people are very familiar with, Esther Hicks channels yeah, Abraham, who is a collective of entities that speak through the voice of, or kind of the position of the identity of Abraham. And so they're referred to as Abraham Hicks. Um, and I'm on their daily quote um, newsletter thing. And one of the things that Abraham Hicks shared the other day, this was a few weeks ago now, maybe a few, maybe a couple months ago, was that there's nothing that we can't do and that we're only limited by our beliefs. And then the person that they were speaking to said, if that were true, then why can't people grow back limbs? And Abraham's, Abraham Hicks said, the only reason people can't grow back limbs is because they believe they can't. Yeah. Well, actually, we can. We can grow cartilage. We can grow things subconsciously inside our body. I I was listening to this guy because I, I sprained my ankle. And then my husband was listening to this guy called the knees over toes guy that is doing the things that people say that they're not supposed to do like put your knees over toes and that actually helps you a lot <laughs> like it made him dunk it cured his knee problems and everything so yeah and he was saying that yeah it is possible to restore everything in the point that it was just if you let your body do your thing like don't put eyes don't <laughs> stop the circulation like stop thinking that it won't work basically like because there there is so much ideas now around fitness that people don't even judge them anymore like even people that discovered them and they said oh no i was totally wrong uh but it's 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 too late now because people already believe those so they will follow it to the letter even though the science has been disproven since and he was saying that we can actually we can grow cartilage uh, we can grow the liver the liver grows back um after liver transplants that there are organs specific 
uh, organs that uh, or our um, yeah nose and uh, ears don't stop growing. <laughs> so we have actual examples in our body that do, but only for those that we believe or that we can actually witness. Um, and I think instead of healing a person, uh, grew back a tooth or something like just by changing the belief that they cannot grow tall back in adult life, not in <laughs> children's life. Like, yeah, we can do everything. It's our bodies are amazing, but yeah, the belief system is what stops us from flying. Um, apparently back in time, uh, my masters could levitate in front of uh, their students just to show them that they could. So that they're, so when you see it, you believe it. But since then, like the, the science has been disproven. Uh, no, what, uh, since then they don't do it anymore because more people started believing that they can't. That's it. And then, um, so I was talking a bit earlier about collective consciousness. It's basically a bunch of beliefs that all people believe. <laughs> it does not mean that that's the absolute truth, just enough people believe it, kind of like the 100th monkey, that it becomes available for other people to tap into it. And like basically, for example, uh, old, you start having um, wet hair in old age. And that is a belief, like you don't, there are people that don't have a single white hair or people that started growing like white hair when they're 16. <laughs> uh, it's also uh, a belief that you don't really consciously think about because you see people in your whole life like, oh, you associate old people with white hair and younger people with not like gray hair. Uh, but you can modify those beliefs and then you don't have to have a single white hair in your hair. Like that is my case. I've been trying to work with that belief to change it in myself just to prove a point. And funny thing is, so uh, I mentioned that I'm 33, but on my 30th birthday, my sister is younger than me and she has a lot more white hair than I do. Um, but on my 30th birthday, I had one single white hair coming out from this, like a signal. <laughs> and I'm like, nope. You stop right there. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> and since then, I have not had anyone more like in, in three years because I, I did like consciously change it. <laughs> like it's not a sign, but it was funny that it happened the day, or I noticed it the day of my 30th birthday. <laughs> like, oh, you're starting to grow up now or grow old or whatever <laughs> I was telling myself. Yeah, you're so old. You're so old, <laughs> 33 years old. Well, when you're a kid, you think like 30 is old and then you think like 40 is old. And now like is 70 old, you start questioning age as you, as you go along. Like even old doesn't mean anything. <laughs> it's also another belief. Oh, yeah. So that's another thing that, um, that Sarah Landon's uh, The Council will talk about uh, is... This idea that we have of aging is it's it's a it's a misunderstanding. Yeah, yeah, I I agree with that. There's no there's no reason that our bodies need to degenerate. We're going to get to a point where we will spiritually recognize that it's time for us to leave this form. Yeah, I read that that was the case before, like before all these oh. beliefs <laughs> came to life, and even I think. Um, Jesus' grandmother, Anna, she lived like 600 years or something. I've never heard anything like that. Yeah, but <laughs> And then she was like, yeah, let's check out. But that was the, the original form before. And then we started believing that we need to. <laughs> that 
type or something or put age limits and yeah yeah so beliefs are very powerful and it's very easy for us to believe things and you know the other day i was i have a a group of friends that i practice channeling with um and one of the times that uh, spirit was speaking through one of my friends and we were talking about beliefs and i made the comment about how clearly i don't Clearly, I have some limiting beliefs that I don't believe that I have because things aren't happening the way I would want them to happen. So clearly, there's some belief that I'm that I'm holding on to. And they said, you think you don't believe things. Yeah, no, we all do. You think you don't believe that, but you really do. Yeah. Um, there's a way to test things uh, with muscle, me uh, muscle testing memory because <laughs> there are uh beliefs are contained in our body so there are a few ways by holding your thumbs and your index finger together and like uh, say out loud one belief and then test if you if it's yes or no or same but um standing up and tell your body you move forward if it's yes you move backwards if it's no and then say the belief out loud and see what your natural movement of the body is so yeah, you can <laughs> test different beliefs. That is, I don't know if you know Theta Healing, maybe I should uh, talk a little bit about that. It is a very interesting method that is only focused on beliefs, kind of like hypnosis, but you, the practitioner does it for the person and uh, in front of you for your client and only ask the client questions, basically to, to see what the root belief is for a particular problem. And um, why is it in place? Exact same questions. How is helping? It was the secondary gain? That's the question. Like, okay, you believe this, but how is it helping you that in ways that you don't see it? Uh, and then changing the belief once uh, once the person is conscious of that and doesn't want it anymore. Um, but yeah, uh, an important thing about the brain is that it needs to know. Um, it cannot be a maybe. Like brain does not like the way same way that it doesn't understand the negative. They don't understand maybes. It's like um, I always compare it to the subconscious to a computer program. Like the back end, you only you have to write the code. <laughs> if you don't write the code, then the brain will make assumptions because uh, they need to know. It cannot just be blank. Um, and the assumptions that they make is by witnessing others. Uh, by seeing like your mom and dad, your environment around you, uh, your friends, maybe, uh, I don't know, now with social media, people get their beliefs maybe by witnessing others on Instagram or I don't know. But yeah, they we do believe all the time, even when we think we don't, because it's impossible for us not to believe and still function like our program needs to be written otherwise we cannot like normally take decisions or live a normal life it's always done then our role is to see what what these beliefs are and if we can if they're helping us or not if we need different beliefs in order to be happier where we are right now in our lives so I think that this is a good time for us to shift a little bit. Okay. 
What do you want to shift towards? <laughs> Good question. Um, I'm just kind of sitting quietly and seeing if something pops in my mind. There's a, and I'll talk more about this in the future as well, and I've mentioned it in, in past episodes, but given that we're going to be doing a, uh, an interview for a virtual summit around channeling, mm -hmm. there is something that I want to just mention briefly, and we've talked a little bit about it in this episode, and I don't want to go into it too much because I want to ask you a question pretty quickly after this. So I'm just going to kind of mention this comment, almost like a passing comment, and I'll mm -hmm. elaborate more on this later. But channeling is a term that we use, and channeling means a lot of different things. And I want to normalize this a little bit, similar to the idea that a trance state and that hypnosis is nothing more than a natural trance state. Channeling is nothing more than a natural connection that we have to the universe. Yes. Channeling is something that in the three principles community, people talk a lot about being connected with inner wisdom, having a pipeline access to spiritual intelligence that is communicating through us via the fact that we are a part of life source energy. And they don't use those words, but... Yeah, <laughs> Kind of paraphrasing it. And within the Three Principles community, there's a lot of talk about this inner wisdom, having insights come to you, being driven by insights, uh, being in a quiet state of mind, being present in the moment so that we can hear our inner voice and, our, and, and allow insights to come to us and to show us and to guide us and to help us. And they talk about this very naturally. And those are all examples of channeled information. Mm -hmm. It's just, they're just not using the term channeling as a yeah. descriptive. So our inner wisdom, our inner voice, our inner guide, our uh, connection to our higher self are all examples of channeling. Yeah. Now, when I speak about Sarah Landon, who channels the council, that is a description of channeled information that is coming through what we refer to as a trance state. So she's trance channeling which is a term that's used to describe the fact that she is, and this is kind of a possession, since we're talking about possessions earlier. When we trans-channel, what we do is we allow ourselves to leave our body enough and invite another entity, another spirit, another energy to utilize our body so that they can communicate directly with the audience or with the client or with whomever utilizing our body as a vessel mm -hmm. yeah. and so we are consciously and purposely allowing another entity to quote unquote possess us mm -hmm. 
Yes. So that they can speak through our voice, they can move through our body, they can see through our eyes, etc., uh, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, et cetera. So these are all examples of channeling from the day-to-day channeling that happens to all of us that we do every day through to hearing our inner voices in whatever description that comes in, seeing things in our inner mind in whatever description that might be described, um, all the way through to allowing someone to speak through us and allowing that information to come through us in a quote-unquote trans-channeled state. Um, And so I just want to kind of bring that up just a little bit because we did mention channeling before and I do want to normalize this, that this isn't something that is abnormal. This isn't something that only a few people can do. All of us can do this and all of us do it already Mm. just at different levels and at different um, levels of awareness, if you will. Now, having said that, and feel free to, to speak to that if you like, but I do want to ask you a question, which is, what would you like to share with the audience? If there was something that you would like to share, and it could be something that we've talked about that you want to reiterate, or it could be something completely different. And so this question comes in two parts. I want to give you the permission to respond or address what I just said, but I do want you to talk about whatever it is that you want to talk about. Okay. So the first thing that comes to mind and that supports, so I had this visual, (laughs) um, is that uh, what I want to say to the audience is that we can all do it. Uh, It is one of the questions that I've been asked more frequently or that people think is that, is it a gift? Is it selected people? And it's not. Like everybody does it. Everybody does it all the time. But as you said, where is they're they're conscious that they're doing it or not, it's another thing. It's the equivalent of a gut feeling. It's the equivalent of following your intuition or like just having a knowing or um, that comes out of nowhere or an idea. That is also what we call channeling. So what I want to share is that I did not, I was not born with it. Um, I... Yes, growing up, I had dreams. Um, I had premonitions that I maybe believed more than I should have, like superstitions and stuff, because you believe, I think, superstition when you don't know that how powerful you really are to change things yourself. So for um, a long time, I stopped that because I was having these very vivid dreams, like this information that I did not know what to do with it. I was 16, so I was like, I did not have either the means or the information to interpret what I was seeing in my dreams. I only knew that. I knew before other people, if uh, the teacher would not come come today and would have a substitute teacher or what grades would I have in my exam <laughs> in high school because I would like dream about them and then they would become true the next day. But besides this really tiny things, bits of information, I had no really particular aptitude or like uh, information about it. And doing... Um, like, first of all, like being a hypnotherapist or a facilitator, again, no special skills. You just need to ask what you do. Like, it is a work of fashion. It is like most works that you do for fun. <laughs> like, 
uh, if you don't, so I would approve people thinking that maybe there's something that they cannot do. Um, you cannot only do it if you don't want to. If you want to, where's the will, there's a way. And also it can be a lot of fun. And you don't need to be, to have special skills. That's um, what I mean. And even more so for channeling, because we kind of reserve the channeling to uh, mediums or people like witches, people that are, that we think that they are born with it. And, um, and uh, I myself have developed it. I was not born with it. I am very strong mentally. <laughs> like I have a very strong conscious mind. I used to overanalyze things a lot, but I found a way to, I know now when I'm channeling, like even when I talk to my sister and she asked me for advice, then she's like, no, this is Aurora talking. I want to talk to the other part of you, <laughs> the channeling part of you, like, you know, get the judgment on the side and tell me what the channeled messages. And I would, um, I would see myself say, say things that I would not normally say as the bigger sister, <laughs> you know, as the older sister, like, oh, be careful. Uh, and when they, when the, my channel self like, talks, she's like, oh no, you're fine. <laughs> and like, damn it. <laughs> you know, there is still like the programs made in place, but I can switch because it only, you only have to ask. <laughs> you only have to ask your higher self, for example, or your inner self to reply instead of your mind that will be more wary, like on the cautious side or say things that, you know, you're supposed to say. Um, so the visual that I have before that I mentioned is like, I also do believe that we're all spirit and we all, we are all having a human incarnation. So I see it as we're all the oceans and we're little drops in the ocean, which in, like inside themselves, they, it's still water. Like they have all the essence that the ocean has. It's just that we don't see the ocean when we only see the other drops when we're inside. So it's more like, perspective and despite uh being the ocean uh the fact that we have bodies it's like we have a funnel like the and filters that the information is filtered usually when we go through our lives and we filter the information through our beliefs so we believe something and then we're like all right uh, yes for no <laughs> um yes right no left and like we constantly like make this back and forth beliefs of what we can and can do in everyday life what channeling means to me is that we temporarily and consciously get rid of that filter and let our minds our mouths <laughs> say whatever comes without uh, filtering it without analyzing at the same time if i'm saying what i'm saying is correct or not um so i've uh, i started to practice that by reading tarot cards um, in a way that was interesting because tarot cards are more uh, known, like they've been around since like 13th, 14th century, and people know of them more than they would know, for example, of what hypnosis is or like energy work. Uh, so they would ask me for a simple reading. What? So I started practicing that giving free readings to people that I did not know, that I could not see them in person. So not like decoding their body language. Uh, I just needed their question and knowing who asks the question, that's it, so that I could focus on their energy. And then the answers that I would give uh, were very um, on point. I had no, no 
like I did not know these people and they told me that they were on point because it came from them. They were like, how did you know that? Or that's exactly what I needed to know or that's exactly what happened. And that made me kind of <laughs> have more confidence in myself to do it more and more. And the more I did it, the less I was. So my, my goal was to not think of it consciously, like to be, to just say what comes. And I could feel in my body, like I would be very energized, especially yeah, maybe in your heart area or like your gut feeling. But my words would start coming out of my mouth without me having time to process what I was saying. So usually what I did that was just put the audio, read the question, put the audio on and just saying, this is, this is, this is happening. <laughs> like maybe draw a card just to see what my starting point would be. The card would represent the question, maybe like the beginning of the answer. And then it would be kind of like telling a story. What surprised me is that I, um, I knew what, I mean, I knew what I was doing because it was the same feeling that I have in hypnosis. Um, we also auto-hypnotize ourselves when we're self-facilitating someone else. It makes, I do at least, but I think we all do subconsciously. So our mind is more focused uh, and we can also channel the questions that we're going to ask the person in front of us. So it will be more pertinent for them, like more interesting. Uh, so I kind of put myself in that state, um, just getting rid of my judgment towards the question or the person. And it did help that I did not know them. So that was kind of validated that what I was doing was working somehow. Like it was, it was serving me as much as what was serving them. Uh, so, yeah, I think that was, if do you have any questions about that? This was about the, the first part of your <laughs> two part question, the first answer. <laughs> And then I want to talk about something else un unrelated, but kind of related to this. Go for it. Um, so the second thing that it seems kind of unrelated, but that I see more and more is that I want to talk about this self-love class that I'm preparing with um, Marcella McMahon. Also, um, she has a page called mds-institute.com, uh, MDS the MDS Institute. Um, and also Michael Newton, uh, trainee, um, and gives class on hypnotherapy, but it's not the part that I wanted. It's just uh, to talk about. It's more where you can find the thing that I'm going to talk about. The class is called more, more self-love. And, um, the reason I'm mentioning it is that I see that for most people, that is the biggest problem like not loving yourself enough or like when you judge other people uh they judge themselves even more because we are basically the only person on the planet that we know better than anyone else i recently had the question asked uh why are we more tolerant with other people than we are with ourselves like why it's easier to like someone else that we like ourselves or to love someone else before we love ourselves and I think the answer to that is because we know all our darkest secrets. <laughs> we know our failures. We know ourselves more than we know like a person that is outside of us. So it's easier that this love goes through others before it reaches us. But also we can only accept love as much as we are ready to or as we love ourselves. So I think one of the purpose of my purposes in life, um, along with, discovering your own power is also to make love 
yourself a bit more. <laughs> if we can increase the dose, maybe we can increase more information that goes through. Maybe we can be a bit more tolerant with ourselves, like not, not beat ourselves so hard and a bit maybe less judgmental and more open to living a better, a happier life. And when we're happier, the people around us are happier. And it's kind of like a ripple effect that goes on and on and kind of hopefully makes the world a little bit of a better place. So I do believe that it starts with us. And I think that just focusing maybe on bringing a bit more love into your life will bring more of things that you want in other areas of your life, like more money, more success, more, more being who you are, just, just basically like more of you, more, uh, more happiness in general. Beautiful. <laughs> so I will definitely uh, share the link for information on that in the description of the episode. Thank you. And since we're here, um, there is also, I can, uh, so we were thinking with Marcella to uh, like heavily discount it. So basically it's 21 days and um, I will give the coupon online for people who follow. If they want to take the course, it would be like $1 a day. So basically like $21 for the 21 days. Uh, and it's 2121 love, L-O-V-E, for the coupon to put in the website. Normally the class is one, uh, $118, $118. So it would be only 21 for the listener to this podcast. Beautiful. Yeah, I'll definitely include that in the description of the episode. So uh, click through the link in the description to the uh, spiritualintelligencepodcast.com website, which can also be accessed via sqpodcast.com. Um, and I will have the description of the episode in there with the coupon and the link to the, to the course. Beautiful. I think what our goal is in this is just to bring people together. So there is a forum so that people can exchange questions and get to know each other and feel that they're not alone. Because I think another um, biggest problem that I've witnessed is also the feeling of uh, loneliness uh, or thinking that you're the only one that you're going through these things or you have this gift, but you cannot share and all of that. So it's like, no, you're not. <laughs> there are also a bunch of people maybe right now that they are feeling the same way they do or that are ready to help. So just bring them all together. And hopefully, yeah, the goal is to make this world a better place. Sounds like a great place and a great idea to be. Beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. Anything else you would like to share before we jump off? Um... Not just my personal, maybe I, I'm putting more work now in Instagram. I'm trying to be more uh, active there. Uh, so the easiest way if people want to talk to me is through my Instagram page, Aurora uh, underscore hypnosis. And um, I'm working on my website, also aurorahypnosis.com, which will be available very soon. I had another one before, <laughs> or should I hypnotherapy? I thought it was too long. And, um, but all this conversation made me think that maybe I will, maybe I'll focus on another name because what I do is not just hypnosis. It's the whole thing, you know, the channeling, the just basically channeling spirit. Uh, but my thing, my, one of my mini goals was also to de 
and demonize hypnosis or like this whole possession thing that it yeah. talked about. Yeah. It's like take this word and put it back where it belongs. Kind of, it's it's normal. It's nothing to be afraid of, or it's not elitistic. It's not reserved to special kind of people. We all do it, and we do it all the time. It's just a tools to a mean to improve our lives. That's all. So yeah, feel free to contact me or send me a message to my other to my Instagram page, and I'll be sure to reply. Beautiful. And. In there, I usually reply questions about um, specific days, other tarot cards, hypnosis, data healing, you name it. <laughs> yeah, whatever you want. I'm uh, available and free to answer all your questions. Sounds like a great way to connect. So thank you so much uh, for being part of uh, this experience. I look forward to continuing our conversations in the future. Me too. Thank um, you for having me. And um, there's something else that, no, <laughs> sorry, I, I, again, I was just waiting to see if there was some question that was wanting to be asked. And I think it will be later on in others. <laughs> in, in others' in conversations. Others, yeah. So Aurora, thank you so much for being part of this show. It's been an honor to have you here. <laughs> Same here. Um, Thank you very much for having me. It's my absolutely. pleasure. Absolutely. It's been a lot of fun. And I will definitely talk to you shortly. Uh, and um, and then we will continue our conversation on the channeling side of things. Sounds good. All right. I'll talk to you soon. Great. Yeah. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. Hopefully you heard something new that invites you to reflect, to go within and deepen your own understanding of life and of our universal experience. If you enjoyed this conversation, please follow the podcast series on your favorite listening app and share this episode with others that you feel would enjoy it as well. Until next time, May we all soar with inspiration, explore with passion, and live with love.